for the record. Uh, we're back. Last episode, we had a, uh, some technical difficulties with a few hacks and trolls, but this one is private, so hopefully no, no issues this time. And I do not see Chris on yet, so I'm going to go ahead and introduce this call. This is the fifth uh, or 5.1 um, in a series of community conversations a Black Coffee Company has been hosting on topics that are affecting our culture, uh, the things that are affecting our community, and we're trying to discover uh, resources, strategies, and tips on how to mitigate these challenges. Uh, today's call will be special. Uh, we'll be talking about the COVID-19 uh, pan epidemic that is affecting our globe, uh, it's changed our way of life, and brought everything to a halt. Um, instead of doing any introductions today, I'm going to skip right into our featured speaker, somebody I'm, I'm very, very thankful that we had opportunity to get to uh, speak with you guys today. Her name is Kaia Shivers, and then we'll be going to our second featured speaker, another person I'm very, very thankful to have here today, Dr. Janelle uh, Williams-Holder. Uh, so, Kaia, without all further ado, please introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about your life currently. Um, I like to say thank you for inviting me. Don't even trip about the trolls. I think we, I, I want to say, let me, let me start with this. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for having this. Um, this is so critical and this is so important. All the, for me, when you get stuff like that, just lets you know that you're on the right path. You know what I'm saying? And dealing in this digital space, you're going to get a lot of, it, it, even now, you're going to get more so. So we're going to move forward. Um, well, I am currently in Florence, Italy. Um, I was on the call um, when we talked about the wealth, generational wealth, and I mentioned that I was in Italy. I'm in Florence, Italy. It's the Tuscany region, and it's actually the region right under the initial quarantine zone um, that took place in Italy. Uh, when all of this started. I am a New York, New York University professor, um, proud LA homegirl, <laughs> uh, went to uh, high school, um, not at the same time, but the same high school that some of the brothers, Black Coffee Company, uh, went to um, in South Los Angeles. Correct. And uh, uh, that's what I do. Um, and I uh, have been at NYU for four years. I am, uh, I teach uh, writing and journalism in uh, li the liberal studies department. I'm currently a visiting professor in Florence, Italy, because New York University has a, a Florence, Italy campus out here. And so this is what puts me here. Um, NYU was actually the first college campus in Italy to shut, shut the campus down, send the students home. I was given the option to leave and go back to uh, the New York area. Um, I opted to stay. I didn't think it was going to get as bad as it, as it has gotten. Um, so um, in, in it, by trade, I'm a journalist. So in it, I decided to start documenting my experiences uh, about what it's like to be uh, in um, Italy at this particular time. Um, and it's called the La, the, um, La Zona Rosa Diaries, uh, which is the red zone. And um, I have been, you know, every day going out filming and photographing and talking to as many people to give another lens of what it is. <coughs> so I didn't prepare anything. Um, Particularly, I just have a couple of thoughts and I would love to, if you have any questions, just let me know. I don't want to hog the time because it's only a little bit of time. What I'm seeing that, that has taken place or there's, that's, yeah, has taken place and is continuously taking place is this, is like same exact thing that's going on in the States in terms of how the government um, is uh, treating uh, the, the COVID-19 uh, now pandemic. Um, so I think what you're going to see, uh, like how over here is, is that there's going to be continuous restrictions in your movement until there'll be a, a total shutdown where people will pretty much be virtually um, um, uh, expected to, to be at their house and only come out for very, very essential things, which is food, any type of medical issues, um, or if you're going from 
um, you know, you, you have to go home. Um, you are required to travel with a permission paper. It's kind of like a manumission slip. Every time you walk out the door, there's been two versions of that. Um, and so in it, you've got to state if you have coronavirus, if you've been exposed, where you're going, where you live, so on and so forth. And the police can stop you at any time. What will be different, however, is, um, is, is that um, Italy is not a police state as much as it is in the United States. So um, that will be different. And admittedly, Florence, Italy is like a small city. There's about 383 people here. So it's not, um, I heard in the big cities like Venice, Milan, Rome, Rome um, um, I heard that the police are heavily monitor um, what's going on. There is a, mil a strong military presence. So as a result of that, um, I, there's not a lot of engagement with the police. And as a black person from South Central, I'm thankful about that. Um, even though there, ha there has been some evidences, for me, my experiences have been growing in terms of the issues with race. I mean, me being um, a, 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 a huge minority, not only I'm, you know, I'm black, but I'm black from the United States, which is, I, there isn't anybody out here that I know. Um, well, not actually, there is another African-American um, that I know uh, here. So if you have any questions, just let me know um, about, you know, what you, what you inquire about and, and, and I can answer them. Super dope. Thank, uh, thank you very much for just your time and sharing and being willing to participate in this discussion today. Uh, Kaia, you, as you know, you're a dear friend um, and a role model mentor for us. So, so we just, you know, want to make sure you know that you're in our prayers um, while you're out there. And please make sure you reach out and let us know if you do need anything at any time. Um, next, we want to go to a, 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 our second featured speaker. And you guys will be able to answer any questions or talk and have more of an engaging discussion next. But I want to introduce uh, Dr. Janelle Williams Holder. A uh, very near dear friend of ours. Uh, someone is also, I'd say, a, a mentor, role model uh, for uh, when we first got to Xavier University. So, without further ado, Janelle, please uh, introduce yourself and uh, share a little bit about your uh, thoughts and experience about our current um, crisis. Uh, thank you for that very kind introduction. Uh, my name is Janelle. I'm currently assistant professor of medicine at Emory University. And just disclaimer, all anything I say are my personal reflections and not a reflection of Emory University. Um, I think a lot of people uh, wonder what it's like to be on the quote front line. Um, as Jamin knows, um, I've been advocating, advocating very strongly for education about the coronavirus and what we're experiencing in the hospital. Uh, basically, it's like, it's like a silent killer. Um, it's, it's very difficult to diagnose. Um, I'm sure you all have seen reports and news articles. There are several different types of coronaviruses. So this, this type of coronavirus, and as you all know, they call it the novel coronavirus. So that means it's new. It's never been seen or diagnosed before uh, when it, before it started popping up in January. And I don't know if you all ever saw that that kind of really intense video from that Chinese whistleblower that was very concerned that this was indeed a new virus and he was pretty much getting you know tossed to the side it truly wasn't a new virus it's just a different strain of a coronavirus um, and I think that's what made it difficult to diagnose and I, I know you see um, the difficulty in testing a lot of people have that question why is it so hard to test for this virus so it requires a little bit different testing than your typical flu or RSV virus, which I'm sure everybody has heard of. So we don't have the test readily available. And I think a lot of people get upset um, that they're not getting tested. It's not that your doctor doesn't want to test you. It's that, it's that your doctor doesn't have access to the proper test to test you. And we can't get that from the government. Um, it's taken a lot of uh, private uh, commercial labs to be able to um, give us the test so we can test people for it. Now, the other part of it is um, people are wondering why, why is it so deadly? I think one thing that's really interesting about this 
virus is that it is really taking out the elderly population. Like it's literally annihilating it. And specifically they're looking for people, um, they're identifying people with high blood pressure, diabetes. Um, those tend to be the people that um, suffer the most from the disease process. And they usually tend to die pretty quickly. So it's a very aggressive virus. Um, and it, it is more targeted to the elderly population. And I say that saying, um, don't think that, that because you're young, you're, you're excluded from it. They are seeing more and more young people that are dying from this virus as well, which is baffling to them because they thought it was really more geared toward attacking the elderly population. And they're seeing that, that curve, that ideology change a little bit. So I think because it's fairly new, I think really we've only been dealing with it since January. People are literally scrambling, the medical community is scrambling to put ideas together, to put treatment plans together, because no one really knows what we're dealing with and how to treat that. I think what they did in China was amazing, how they pretty much had to, the only way they could control this was by shutting down the government, like literally shutting down the cities and I know it sounds it sounds very crazy, like how could we ever pull that off in America? But to see everything that they had to do to get a control of this virus in China, I fear that for us here in America, we're going to have to move towards that in order to get this under control. And I know I've said too much already, so I'll stop, but I'm definitely open, open to answering questions. No, you haven't said enough. You, I mean, you are one of the experts I would consider in our, my network. So I'm thankful for just you being willing, with willingness to come on the conversations this evening and share your expertise. So thank you. Um, so at this point, Leonard, um, let's see, are you able to share? Does it give you the option to share your screen? If so, I want to get back to our slot, our unhacked slides. It looks like I can. Oh, can I add something? This is oh, absolutely. Please go ahead. Oh, I wanted to add. Um, so the average age uh, of the people. This is um, just um, 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 corroborating with what uh, the previous call. Um, what my co-presenter said. Since I'm sorry, I'm, it's two in the morning, so I'm still a little groggy. <laughs> um, the average age in Italy is 80.3 years old. And um, Italy has a, a huge um, elderly community. I think it's like number three in the world in terms of a place where you could live long. Um, and so um, a lot of elderly people are passing and people want to know exactly why did it take place specifically in this region in Northern Italy, uh, in these two regions, is, is that it has a large elderly community because a lot of people uh, go and retire there uh, in northern Italy because it's more cooler. And then secondly, um, so I've, I've had to teach online for three weeks, and I would say about 30% of my classes are Chinese, and what they're experiencing and speaking to them is called a second wave of infection. So what happened is, is that even though Chinese mitigated the problem, Chinese folk who are in other countries started flying back to China, bringing the infection back. So now they've got to do another round of, um, um, of dealing with the issue. And a lot of the infections are coming back from Europe, from, and specifically from Italy and the UK. So the government has enacted a measure where you've got to wear what is comparable to like an ankle bracelet, but it's on your wrist. It's a biometric monitor. And you have to quarantine for 14 days. You have to take your temperature twice a day. If you are not, um, and, and, and the, the, the monitor knows exactly when you're doing it. Um, if you leave the house, if you don't take your, check your temperature and do whatever else is prescribed, then you will get arrested immediately. And I think they said that you would have to stay in the house for... Um, I think it's like for a year or two or something like that. I got to check and see. That's why I just wanted to add that. You know, this is much more than uh, um, I could anticipate. Um, at this point, we want to go back to our, so the discussion goes uh, for everyone that's joined the call and it's on the call now. 
we just had a Ms. Kaia Shivers, publisher, founder of Arc Republic Media. She spoke about her experience in Florence, Italy, currently uh, under quarantine. And we also had uh, Dr. Janelle William Holder, uh, based out of Atlanta, Georgia, share uh, her expertise in terms of how this is really affecting our public health. Um, so our, our main goals today, and I think I want to think Brandon was going to tackle this point. Did you want to go over that for him? Well, I wanted to also say uh, that, Kaya, I asked you a couple of questions in the chat box when you get a chance. You can answer them. I know you have to go pretty soon, but you can just ask. Because I'm in Seattle right now, so I'd like to know kind of what I'm looking for. Okay, I see you saying you see him. Okay, cool. All right, so our discussion goes for tonight. We want to share information on how to remain safe and healthy during this global health pandemic. Um, you know, a lot of us are shut in at the house or we're getting some, you know, some mandates from the government so that we can tell us to kind of not spread this stuff. Um, I mean, it's a serious thing. We should kind of follow those things. But, you know, we know that we get kind of cabin fever and things like that. So we're going to talk today about how to stay healthy and how to how to deal with this. Uh, we're going to share strategies and resources with you all, identifying the best practices to, you know, to 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 thrive long-term. And then we're gonna encourage aggressive and consistent pursuit of wealth and, and, and building behavior, because wealth building behavior. I mean, that's what we're in business for. That's what we're trying to encourage amongst our community and things of that nature. So we will stay consistent with our messaging and we will try to talk about things like that. What can we be doing as small businesses? Uh, a lot of us are entrepreneurs to still try to meet uh, our financial goals and become financially free and to empower the community and things like that. So. These are what we're, we're trying to discuss around, in addition to staying healthy, protecting your family, and not going insane. Move on to the next slide. Linda, could you get into the next slide? Um, so before we got into our main topics, uh, of the call. I actually take it back to the agenda. We wanted, there were some questions for Kaia, and we wanted to get into the open discussion section uh, of the call today. Uh, so if anyone had questions for either Kaia or for uh, Janelle, please speak up or share them in the chat box and we'll do our best to communicate. Okay. You know what, you guys? I'm up. <laughs> so I, I, I can ride this whole call out. I, I, I have like so many stories to do. So I don't, you know what I mean? So I could totally. I would love to share my time um, with, uh, with, with, with Janelle, but just to answer Brandon's questions, the first question, there were two, when will you be able to come back? And the second one is, is that like, what are some things, um, um, I'm saying, oh, what are some things that Seattle could expect next? Like Seattle is one of the first kind of major metropoles in, in the States. Uh, that has been hit. So I was scheduled to actually come back and visit in, in July, but um, um, currently uh, the United States has a ban on all European. So let me explain. So Europe has a ban on Italy. So me being in Italy, I cannot go to another Italian, I mean, to another European country. And then um, the United States has a ban on Europe. So right now, technically, the only reason that if I could travel to the United States, if I had a dire situation that could not be remedied. So I am here indefinitely until the ban on the United States is lifted. Um, and then as well, though, um, I, don't th I don't think it would necessarily be the issue with what's going on in Italy as opposed to what is about to happen in the United States. Because just like Italy and the UK, the uh, government did not take, or the heads of government did not take, because certainly the, the federal workers uh, and the medical folk you know, wanted to get ahead of this, but because there was such a late response, you're gonna have to experience a wave. I have a very strong source um, in the government that says that look to be in quarantine for up to two months in the United States. So right now, if you see, they're canceling schools for the rest of the year. At first they said, you know, it might be summer school, but then they don't know in terms of the catch up of, um, on all of the work. But um, I probably, 
so another conundrum is, is that because, um, I, honestly, you know, I have to look at job stability <laughs> because uh, if there is not students that are coming to Florence in order to be taught, then um, I don't have a, I don't have a job. I'm not a tenured professor. I'm a contract professor, which means that NYU can, you know, cancel my contract at will. So, um, you know, but because I'm in this place and I can't move, there's nothing that they can do at the time. So um, I don't know when I'll come back. That was a long way of explaining that. What is it that you should expect um, in Italy? I mean, in, in Seattle. Um, so I told you about the quarantines um, that you should expect. Um, um, uh, I, I, I'm rolling, oh, mental health. You will expect to see one of the issues that are that is being dealt here. You you've seen like these little um, I think videos about people singing on the balconies. Um, so in my collecting my stories and out and about, I got lost in the city, and I asked this guy for directions, and he thanked me um, for talking to him. And I really don't talk a lot because I don't know Italian very well, and I've already gotten. Um, an incident where um, this white woman called me a nigger um, and was trying to run up on me and I had to show her where I really was from. And um, um, so I really don't talk, but he was like, thank you because I started talking to myself and my dog. Um, so like these mental health issues that are emerging as a result of self-isolation um, have come up and have been an issue. Um, expect to see government, um, um, lessening the public services. So in the big cities, Venice, definitely in Venice and Milan, there is no garbage pickup. Um, there is no street cleaning. Um, there's very limited uh, services with the police, like the police and the firefighters really don't engage with the public because they don't want to spread it. You're already starting to see that in the United States. I don't know if you saw this, but it said like, um, um, like they, they told cops don't deal with any kind of drug offenses and some other things like that. Mm -hmm. So essentially the communities are going to have to become self-governed um, for a little bit. And um, that's, that's those, those are the things right now that I can see that will be like kind of drastic. Um, also, there's going to have to be a, um, people have be begun to um, monitor their food intake. And this is really important for children in terms of what you can eat, how much you can eat, because everybody's at home. And, you know, we tend to just eat more at home, but there's going to have to start being kind of like this contingency plan on in terms of what it is that you can eat per day. So that is all I have to say right now. Oh, and also to back up, I, I have, I've been in talks with a lot of medical professionals and they're very concerned because not only don't, do they not have uh, COVID-19 tests, but they haven't been given you know, very clear directions by the government in terms of how to deal with patients um, you know, who come in, who suspect it, um, and they don't have the proper meta, um, um, hazmat or protect, protective gear in order to just deal with daily patients. So um, all of the medical professionals that I am in talks with have opted to self-quarantine their families um, as they stay uh, in practice. That's funny that you mentioned that because my family and I are in quarantine as well. And I, I can backtrack and tell the story later. Uh, to add what we're seeing in the hospital, a couple of weeks ago, my husband is also a physician and he had his first suspected case. And it was, it was literally chaos in the hospital because no one knew the exact protocol. No one knew how to gear him up in the special um, protective gear that uh, he was supposed to wear to go in and examine the patient. Um, once he left the room, he realized that the entire medical field was not prepared for this. And that was probably three, four weeks ago. Fast forward to now, we have no gear. They're telling us to go buy protective wear from Home Depot or your local hardware store. Uh, people are bringing in shower caps because we're supposed to have our heads covered and they have no protective headgear for us. People are using trash those uh, grocery bags to cover their hair when they go in and see these patients. Um, 
the world, I don't know if you've, you've seen that meme circulating about the gear that they wear in Italy and China as opposed to the gear that they wear here in the U.S., but basically the government has told us that there's no more gear and they're not supplying anymore, but then Trump allegedly released this program that's going to provide more medical gear. What we're starting to see more and more of is, is the healthcare providers are getting sick. Uh, last week I was exposed to a patient um, and five days later my entire family was sick. So now we're on a 14-day quarantine. Uh, we can't leave our house until all of our symptoms have completely resolved or 14 days um, after I came in contact with the patient. So basically, it's you're putting your healthcare providers in a situation that we have to take care of these patients, but we're not protected. And the government isn't able to supply it with us because all the protective gear we get it from China. So when the Chinese economy is weak, it, it, it's a trickle-down effect. We don't have what we need because the gear that we need is made in China. And until their economy recovers, the same thing's going to happen here. And that's why I said it's only a matter of time before we go down um, as far as lockdown, just like they've been doing in other parts of the world, Italy and, and China. It's just a matter of time for us. Um, I think, and to to touch a little bit on the economic side, uh, people are losing jobs. I mean, you see the, the, the flight industry, the hotel industry. I mean, people are losing these jobs. How, how are they going to pay their bills? Everybody talks about, you know, having that, that six-month emergency plan. But the truth is, most Americans don't have <laughs> Most Americans are, are literally living paycheck to paycheck. So if you, do, if you have a career that's in the service industry, you're essentially facing um, months of not having um, pay and not really sure what your future looks like. You um, Go ahead. Oh, this is uh, Kaia. Um, I, I wanted to add to that. Um, what, 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 um, thank you for um, this conversation and the talk. I'm really appreciating this. I'm getting a lot of my thoughts out because I just talked to my husband all day and I know he gets tired. Um, I wanted to add to, to that. So because my base is in the, is the United States, I've been getting a barrage, a barrage of stories about people who are out of work. Um, some who've been out of work for several weeks um, um, because, um, because the, the, the mainstream media wasn't really reporting um, on the rolling uh, effects of what um, uh, this pandemic has, has, has caused um, 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 is that a lot of people are really concerned as a small business owner. I've actually um, had to stop payment and paying people. And I just simply can't because right now it is about, it, for me, it's about literal survival. Um, I've, I've had to, you know, liquidate as much as I can and hold on to cash so I can move, um, you know, so I can move uh, as much as, as, as much as I can. But um, I wanted to, to add that in a lot of the businesses that are the most vulnerable are small businesses, black businesses, Latino businesses, uh, those who feed into the community. I'm very interested to hear what people have to say um, and even, you know, two of the medical providers that I talked to are actually um, Black women physicians. And we had this really long conversation. Um, and I think because, you know, they felt comfortable in talking to me about it um, is, is that a lot of people on the outside. So, oh, OK, well, you're a medical doctor. You know, you're, you know, uh, um, you're, you're a professor, you're a doctor, you're whatever. Um, you, you have everything together. And a lot of us are like first generation professionals in this regard. So we carry a lot of financial um, weight or obligation. And so, you know, we're all trying to figure out how we're going to make, make through this financially and what it's going to look like on the other side. Uh, you know, uh, you gave me a great pivot point in terms of the financial implications of something that we felt it was a, um, uh, of urgency that we spoke about and shared within our community in terms of what's going on with the global economy as well as our global health. But you guys are, are just bringing up so many uh, important 
points about our short-term safety that I don't want to cut that off. Uh, well, let's go back to questions. I think we might have had some folks that joined the call as well, but we're not doing any more introductions. So if there's any questions, uh, please feel free to put it in the chat box or go ahead, unmute yourself and ask of either Kaia or uh, Janelle. Hey, this is Sharice. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Um, thank you all for having this call. And ladies, thank you for being on. I wanted to um, say something first and then ask a question. Um, I was supposed to go to Australia a few weeks ago and in February for my birthday. And I was getting the end of January. I wasn't feeling comfortable about the trip. Um, I had bronchitis in January and I caught a cold right before I was supposed to go to Australia. And I felt like the Lord was telling me, you need to let go of that trip. And I did. And, you know, I was concerned about the coronavirus. And lo and behold, um, you know, I called the airline. I was like, I'm trying to cancel my uh, ticket. And they're like, it's a $500 fee. And coronavirus is only in China, mainland Hong Kong, blah, blah, blah. And when I went to the doctor, she was like, well, the city says it's fine for you to fly. I'm like, even with the cold? I was like, you know, what about the coronavirus? And so I said all that to say, there are a lot of people who were not projecting where this was going to go. Health professionals, the travel industry, and thank God I had the foresight um, that I did because Tom Hanks was in Australia the same time that I was supposed to be there. Um, and so who knows how it got to Australia, um, but I'm grateful that I did not go because I don't feel like my body would have been able to handle being sick or being in, you know, catching something like that. But there are a lot of people out there who are still making bad decisions. Yesterday, I saw footage of Florida. Um, people were at the beach. There were a lot of people at the beach. People are still trying to buy flights to Hawaii. So I'm encouraging you, if you see your friends doing these things, please tell them to stop. It's not wise to get on a plane unless it's absolutely necessary. I know students are going, leaving colleges and trying to get back home. But to do these things for fun because you found a $100 flight, a $50 flight, we don't know where this is going per se. Um, and I'm starting to see more and more people who are becoming um, hospitalized, young people, not old people, hospitalized because of the coronavirus. Um, my question is, in Italy, the documents that you were talking about that you had to have, um, were they... How did you secure them? Were they online or did the police come door to door? How did that work out? Um, and then, yeah, that's the only question I have. So thank you. Um, uh, thank, thank you. Uh, that's a really great question. So um, I did secure the documents online. Um, a neighbor told me about the documents because it's very difficult for me to follow everything. There are some English um, language um, what do you call these online news sites um, that 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 I do have, but uh, they have a paywall. So if I can't read read the uh, you call it the the, the site, then I, I close it down. But it was something. So that that's a that's a question. So it's something that I got online. The issue was is that I ran out of ink. I ran on a black ink, and I had to figure out exactly how I was going to do it. So that is going to present a so that presented a problem for a lot of people. Um, who don't have access to a printer and everything is shut down. So you have to print it out, fill it out, and I have to carry three, I have to carry two forms of, well, yeah, I have to carry my Italian ID, my passport, my, um, and, and this, this paper. So I would say in comparison to China and the United States, Italy is very low tech. Um, I, it's very low tech. I would not be surprised if the United States eventually would adapt something that China has in, tel in, in terms of these biometric bracelets or for, at the very least for people who have tested um, to be infected down the line because it's projected that the, the, um, that the it's, it, it, it's projected that the, the United States would, be, will, will take the biggest hit because it's so unprepared and because there are people, as you're saying, that are, you know, doing a lot of movement uh, still. Um, so. Like I, I tell my patients all the time, I give them advice and they end up doing what they want to do anyways. I feel like 
right now there are no like set travel restrictions they're they're more like warnings why, why would anybody want to travel during a time like this if 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 you're traveling, be prepared to be quarantined uh, or stuck where you are for the next three to five months. Because personally, I feel like that's how long it, it might it might take for all of this to blow over. And I hate that term, blow over, but for everything to start dying down. I think we um, thank you again, both Kaia and uh, Janelle, for those comments. Uh, I think we had some questions come in. Uh, I'm going to read a few. Leonard Harden, welcome to the call, brother. Um, I heard something about a stimulus package being dispersed. Is there any truth to that? Great, great, great question. Um, did anyone want to speak to Leonard's question? So I can I can I can speak a little bit um, um, to that. There was there it wasn't a formal proposal, but um, in some um, talks, uh, Trump has mentioned providing um, a, a one-time check to workers because right now what's going on is already 1.5 billion dollars. Sorry, 1.5 trillion dollars has been allotted to the bank the banks. Um, and there is expected um, some kind of bailout or some financial relief to travel industry uh, and those big industries that have lost significantly um, as a result of this. Uh, um, a lot of the media was saying, oh, a $1,000 check. There's been um, a response from um, the Trump administration said, well, we didn't say necessarily a $1,000 check it will probably be more, but we have been toying with the idea of, uh, of that to offer some type of financial relief, but it has not been officially um, um, presented uh, to the public. And with this administration, the problem with the administration is the lack of communication about how it's gonna move, um, what is gonna be done. Um, and so, um, so, so, so it's not official, but there are definitely talks, which means that they're toying with the idea in terms of uh, how, what would that look like financially? Um, and it, the funny, the, the, the interesting part about it is, is that a lot of this is what we would classify as uh, social democracy, uh, which is <laughs> what a lot of the political, um, uh, you know, with the Sanders and, and Warren and, and Yang and Andrew Yang were talking about that there needs to be some type of more um, economic w a way in the system in order to help the, the more disenfranchised. One of the things that I think that small businesses do need to do, and I don't know what it is, but I would love to hear your thoughts, is how do we as a business community in you know, unison go to the federal government and say, if you're giving $1.5 trillion to big banks, and what happened in the 2008 financial crisis, there was a bailout, and actually the banks began giving less to small businesses. Well, us as small businesses need to have that type of agency and have some type of bailout ourselves. I think that's an excellent comment. Um, personally, for me, this has been the, I, I, I tend to be a glass half full type of guy, an optimist at heart. So I'm always looking at what's where, where's the rainbow, right? What's the pot of gold at the end? Um, so I've just been focused on that this crisis will end. I kind of did some research looking at a timeline over the past 38 years. And, you know, and I know what's going on with this global health crisis is not comparable to other market crashes. But just looking at that specific sector of the economy, it seems that this is cyclical in terms of the crashes. Uh, everything bottoms out, government steps in, spends a lot of money, uh, invests heavily into businesses, small businesses, so they say, uh, and those dollars rarely trickle down to the uh, ordinary citizen um, through because of various reasons and uh, designs, in my opinion. Um, so what can we do to better put and only inform ourselves or educate ourselves about the opportunities that are gonna be present for small business owners and entrepreneurs, and then how do we then um, position ourselves to either receive these opportunities or be the beneficiaries of what they what they generate in our economy? 
I don't pretend to have all the answers. I understand a lot of questions, but I, I feel that with coming together with this community, we can figure some things out. There was another question I saw come in. Sorry. Uh, thank you for bringing up printing. During this conversation, I started to contemplate my need for ink, something now on the radar as essential as essential at this time. Good point, Brittany. So in terms of the, uh, I guess, commodity or things that are, we're not gonna have supplies, we're not gonna have access to ink. I didn't even consider that. Can I, um, sorry, this is Brittany. Can you hear me? Yes, indeed. Um, the reason it is necessary for me, um, I, there's a lot of business owners on here, but like I've had to do things, I happen to be refinancing at the time, coincidentally. So it's just a lot of paperwork that needed to go into play and for stuff that I may need to submit for student loans. So it's personal business. But I also work for LA County and they have tra transitioned almost the whole workforce as much as they can to work from home. So that was a prepared item. And then um, in my role, I know that LA County Business Development, that commissioner department, they started pumping out literature about some assistance programs that they are developing or they've whatever it may be so different social media accounts for la county are currently trying to make sure we are giving the best information in all the resources so i don't know if that helps but la county biz development did share with me their programs that they're promoting now for the audience that's awesome that's a great resource and i truly appreciate you mentioning that could you say uh, if you know the website address or just say the name again la county um, la county biz development it's um their instagram handle is at l-a-c-b-i-z-d-e-v so that's how i communicate with them is through um instagram Dope. I, I, I wanted to point out jamie to answer some of your questions if um small businesses are tapping into any funding by the government that keep in mind it's a loan yep um so that's the first thing the second thing i meant to say when i commented earlier is that there's a good chance that our economy and the way that we do business is not going to be the same after this um i think that as business owners, um, even though that business may be your full-time job, having a second or, and or third source of income is very important um, because you never know when that job is gonna end. I do a lot of contract work and I'll, I consider that work like the NFL, not for long. And so I'm always either looking for my next gig, my next client um, in the same industry, but trying to have multiple streams of income um, I would also uh, like to suggest that the group looks into farming. Um, even if it's in your backyard, if you have space in the backyard or if you have um, space on your uh, porch or windowsill, um, really start to get into um, being self-sufficient um, because even though this quarantine, et cetera, may last a few weeks, a few months, um, it, I think it's really good to prepare for the future um, if you look now, a lot of businesses um, that restaurants are taking, are not taking cash anymore. Um, so that's something to consider. Um, you know, a lot of businesses might move to cashless and you know, that starts, bells and whistles go off on my head when I hear that. Um, but you might again, wanna think about farming and being self-sufficient. And then the final thing is um, buy, sell, trade. There are a lot of buy sell trade groups on social media. Um, I really think as a as a black community, we really need to look um, back into what our, our families did during the Great Depression. Um, and I told the story on social media that my family got uh, screwed over from the guy that they were crop sharing for, and they ended up stealing a cow for him from him. And that's how they got through the Great Depression. They sold cheese from the cow and um, moonshine and so you know that was their little enterprise and my great-grandmother was also a midwife but i have no doubt that they exchanged goods for those services so um you know really getting in the mindset of not just 
getting cash for things, but maybe even, um, you know, exchanging groceries, exchanging, you know, uh, babysitting time, you, you, you know, have a play date with kids in exchange for food, et cetera. Um, really just being creative about how you're using your resources and not actually spending money. Um, because I think to, being able to keep your cash on reserves in this, you know, foreseeable future is going to be very, very, very important. I just want to add something, uh, some more thoughts. Um, we're here in the situation dealing with these sick patients. We have nurses and doctors that are getting sick and we are getting absolutely zero help and assistance from the government. I know most of these hospitals are private hospitals, but the government supplies these hospitals with the resources that we need. So when I saw this government stimulus package, I mean, to me, it just seemed like a big joke. I mean, you can't even support your healthcare providers and keep them safe. Like, how are you actually going to write a check for $1,000, $2,000 for each family or each person, each adult in every family? It just didn't seem realistic. And the fact that it took all of this, like over four weeks of this going on for them to release this bill to all of a sudden start making medical supplies in the U.S. Well, why weren't we doing that one year ago, two years ago? <laughs> why were we waiting on China? Why didn't we think of this before the Chinese economy crashed? Or when it crashed, why weren't we thinking of it then? Just all these questions that just make me feel worried and concerned about the economy and, and, and just make, makes me overall just feel unstable. I feel like in my line of profession, this is my job security <laughs> and until I get sick. And then, then what do I have? I mean, I won't really have much after that. So to add on to what was said before, look into bartering, look, look into what else you can do to support your families besides what your nine to five job is. These are some, these are some super dope observations. Uh, someone else is about to speak. Uh, it's me, Shannon. Um, I'm in Atlanta as well. My question is for Janelle. Um, I have a seven-year-old son, and I'm hearing a lot about, of course, everyone is able to um, get the virus, but um, as far as children, I'm hearing a lot that children are carriers a lot of the time and may not contract the virus. Are you hearing the same things, or what are you hearing as far as the younger crowd? With the virus. They're, they're saying that children are um, usually carriers or if they get any illnesses, they get mild illness. So after I was exposed to the patient last week and we all got sick this weekend, my kids were sick for about two days. And then after that, they were on their bikes. Whereas me, I'm still kind of still trying to get out the bed and having a hard time. So the fact that, you know, it's, that they're saying kids get mild disease, I, I if if we indeed truly had it, I, I believe that there's truth to that. But I just want to, again, put that disclaimer out that now they're starting to see, and they don't really have an explanation for it, but they're starting to see more severe cases in children. And I think a lot of that has to do with here in the U.S., we probably have more children that have asthma. So that's their automatic underlying disease. So I don't want to put it out there that kids will get it and be okay because we do have kids that are immunosuppressed and have to take medications for whatever reasons, kids that have chronic diseases. We see that a lot as well. So I think that's probably why kids here when they start getting the disease will probably be more symptomatic and, and also consider like the young pediatric cancer population as well. Thank you. So thankful to have this expertise on the call today. Um, I just saw a few questions come up in the chat. I'm gonna go to them. Uh, let's see. It looks like oh, two, two, two things. From one from TJ. I think this was for Cerise. Could you please list some of the groups, those buy sell uh, barter groups? And we can do this in the Facebook community as well. So don't feel pressed if, it, if you can't get in the chat box. We have the community for that, and we can continue the conversation online there. Um, also, uh, uh, Brittany, I, I know you mentioned the uh, business development agency could you if you can make it into the chat if not then in the community group post the website and the, and the instagram uh let's see and then we had a question come in from brandon cole he says the cash grab should we with extra discretionary spending 
buy shares of these companies? How do you determine which to purchase? Need to invest in addition to saving cash to have on hands. Folks out here getting rich. Absolutely. I see one coming from Art from Kaia. My husband is a day broker. I'll list some of the things he says about, thinks about investing in silver, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Were there, um, did anyone have any other points that they had questions or anything they points they want to make? We're coming up towards the end and we wanted to make sure we got it, got onto all our points. There is, I wanted to say there's two things that have popped up in terms of can be, I totally agree. This is a definite cash grab. The, the, the overarching thing is, is that there are a lot of people making a lot of money, creating a wider gap between the haves and the have nots. Um, there is a, huge need here for senior care and adequate senior care, which I'm pretty sure was already an issue in the States, but will even become more of an issue now. Um, there's also a re-emergence of the, the digital. We're, we have now, to me, we're in a reset. This is a reset that's going on. And so the sister earlier who talked about, uh, you know, this cashless society, we are entering into another way of upping our existence and what that looks like from the digital landscape. So um, companies that are making money right now are any companies that deal with streaming services and more so ed, what we call ed tech, Zoom, <laughs> ironically. So a lot, of, a, play, a lot of universities are using Zoom now because we've gone online, Canvas, uh, Google, Google Hangout, Google Docs, all those things that afford us the ability to engage, um, but online. Um, there has to be some way in which we can capitalize um, off of that. At the same time, I've been saying this for a long time, and I, I hold firm to this. There will be a sector of society, what we would consider primitive, like books um, and um, things where if there's offline engaging, even the sister said farming, those will be, in my opinion, will be now luxury items or luxury things to do. So hold on to your books. Um, so like the, the printing press will become something more of, more of an elite thing. Um, um, I'm surmising biometric technology, um, how we move, being connected, you know, like biometric technology is this idea of technology that's connected to our bodies. And there'll be like a lot of tracking or uh, a lot of the way in which we engage that will be somewhere um, in a, what do you call this? It's, it has to do with cryptocurrency. Uh, my husband says it all the time. I wish he was online. He could explain it. Blockchain, blockchain technology. A lot of our stuff will be blockchain technology. This is another thing. We must feel comfortable in investing in our information sources. Um, um, I don't know if you were um, privy to this, but recently Facebook purged a lot of posts. It purged a lot of my posts um, on my business account and on my personal account saying that they were doing it in order to curve misinformation or fake news. They said, uh, you know, there were quite a few articles that came out and said, oh, Facebook, it was a glitch. They were trying to filter out like all this fake news and, and, and what happened. You know, a lot of companies that were actually or news agencies giving real news were purged. That's a lie. I'm going to tell you that right now. It was very intentional. I was at a conference in 2018. Facebook and Google were there and they clearly said, that they are positioning themselves to be the only news producers or the ones who aggregate and distribute news globally. So this is a total move in order to monopolize on the type of information we get. So it is so critical that we begin to think about how we invest in information. So, um, so Dr. Janae and other people who are having these experiences that we can you know, get these out and create real ecosystems on how we need to, you know, navigate and move through these times. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you, Kaia. You know, I'm hearing so many, I'm, I'm loving the, op, the observations. And I know that some of the, our current state looks very bleak, but, and we need to strategize and prepare. That was Cerise earlier, uh, Cerise Cryer's her last name, I believe. Uh, I always call her Marie Cerise because that's her Instagram name, but she made those great observations about being self-sufficient in terms of farming and preparing for what if the, it gets worse. Um, and I think Janelle has been, Dr. Janelle has been mentioning some of those things as well. But if the market turns, if things, if the situation does uh, get better or, or you know, some turn to somewhat normalcy, I love the, the ideas and uh, concepts of where we can invest our money or where we can look to build business um, that are being shared. Uh, but does anyone else have any other comments or uh, thoughts or questions? I think I saw Jerome Wiley. Were you trying to ask something? This is I'm, Janelle. I'm sorry. I'm going to go ahead. This is, you know, I'll just add, really keep an eye on, on the medical supplies. I'm curious to see with increased manufacturing going on, how, how those numbers and the stocks are going to look. So we're definitely keeping our eyes on it now. This is uh, Gino. I had a question for Janelle. Um, I know you mentioned uh, that younger people are showing signs of uh, attracting the, the coronavirus as well. I want to know what other myths that you've heard that you think are just those and what do you think is the overall message for everyone in, in these I, That's absolutely something I wanted to touch on. Stop saying Black people don't get this. I, I don't know where that rumor came from. Um, black people don't get coronavirus is absolutely false. Um, a lot of people are saying, well, we'll look at Africa. Um, there aren't a lot of Africans that are coming up with this disease. Well, first of all, the, the, the travel wave from, from China to Africa is probably a little less than it was in the U.S. The other part is um, the U.S. is struggling to get tests. So, you know, Africans are not going to get the tests that they need. Um, I think it is a very, I don't know how many of us have been to Africa, but if you've been to certain parts of Africa, you'll see it's a very vulnerable population. I mean, some places don't even have electricity. I mean, they for damn sure not going to get a coronavirus testing kit. So I think those numbers are skewed and it gives black people a false sense of security that they will not get in is absolutely false when you actually look at the numbers we have blacks with blood pressure we have blacks with diabetes stroke heart disease and we're actually at a really we're actually a really high risk population from getting complications and dying from uh, the coronavirus i don't know if you all saw that video of that young she was fairly young but she was obese and she had asthma uh, and she was hospitalized with the coronavirus. So she had an underlying lung disease and she was likely diabetic, which puts her at a very high risk for developing complications. So I think when you, I think sometimes we joke about it a little bit, but please just educate yourself and, and other members of our community that it can happen to them as well. Thank you, Janelle. And appreciate the question, Gino. That was a great question. Dispelling myths um, regarding the coronavirus, COVID-19, excuse me. Uh, I see something else in the chat box. And if anyone else had any questions, please speak up now. Hey, and this is on. Oh. Sorry about that. I go away. Uh, that, that's okay. Uh, this is Andre. I was just going to add just a little bit real quick just um, to share as far as going off of the farming. Just one other aspect to think about, guys, is um, look for heirloom seeds and start saving those as well. And so whenever you're growing things, also save those seeds. Because if you realize so many things are genetically modified and they're seedless, so the seeds are going to be important for us to save. such a dope observation um you know that is the, that, this is truly you know just just saying from my own opinion this is we've accomplished our goal bringing the community together to share everyone's insights and thoughts 
because individually, you know, we may have all different challenges, but together, I feel like, you know, that's the only way we're going to get through this. Uh, Jerome, he hasn't spoken up, but there's a thing that he keeps uh, preaching about collective economics, and it's something it's something I ascribe to as well. And I just think it's the way communities should live. Um, Jerome, did you want to talk about it? Um, yeah, just basically co cooperative economics is everyone sh buying and sharing dollars within the community. Like today, I I had to go to an emergency for my dentist, who's African American. I took a 15 mile bike ride today just to kind of look go through LA and see 